Hey, it's me, that home workout you keep meaning to do. I know that I'm not the most fun, I can be tedious and tiresome, but something that could make the whole home workout experience more enjoyable is if while you're doing it, you put on an episode of this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I am very excited to announce that not only is the Potterless merch store back in stock, not only do we have new Canti Potter mugs, but also there are some items on sale. Until August 8th, there is a back to school sale coming, even if you're not going back to school, you can have access to this back to school sale, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. We restocked a lot of the shirts that were out of stock. We've got the new mugs. There's the digital items. There's so many great things and all of them are available to you. And some of them are on sale at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. Also, this is the first episode of Potterless in August, meaning that it's donation time. Here at Potterless each month, we take a dollar for each member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless, and we donate it to a different charity. At the time of recording, we have 951 patrons, meaning that we'll be giving $951 to Change the Ref. So Change the Ref is a charity started by the parents of Joaquin Guac Oliver, someone who was lost in the Parkland shooting of 2018, and Change the Ref addresses gun violence in the United States in a lot of different ways, from urban art to nonviolent creative confrontation to trying to reduce the NRA's influence on lawmakers here in the United States. I found out about this charity and chose them because they reached out to me to be a part of something they're doing tomorrow, August 4th, called Guacathon. It would have been Joaquin's 20th birthday, so they are doing 20 consecutive hours of live streaming. They're getting a lot of different speakers and presentations in the mix, and it just seems like a great event, a great way to raise awareness, and gun violence is still a really big problem here. I like everything that Joaquin's parents are doing here. They are truly dedicated to their cause and making sure that their son's legacy is one of change for the better. So if you want to learn more about this charity, you can go to changetheref.org. And if you search on Facebook, that's where they're hosting their Guacathon live stream. Just search for Change the Ref or Guacathon 2020. That donation is possible because of Patreon. And speaking of, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Caitlin Lowe, Evie, Wayne Joy, Katie Holman, Katie Scardino, Ren, Mackenzie Wolfram, Sophia Lynch, Andy Ratcliffe, Caladon Corvinelli, John R. Blaker, Timo Belhofer, Jennifer Gernant, Zofie Zabo, Aisling Burns, Kerry Holland, and Rebecca Wilson. A name correction for Alyssa Durling. Shout out to Merv3001 and Jessica Scott, who upgraded their pledge. And a huge shout out to our new producer level patrons, Aaliyah El Tarshobi and Jack Parr. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Summer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Edel, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Courtney, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, the Meadows family, Jenny McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Laurie, Chrissy, Yarl, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Tyrone, Money, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, GK, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony, Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Bluefish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andren, K, Steve, Lior, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Danae, Michelle, Callista, Kringle, Lovekesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrika, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerica, Michelle, Casey, Megan, a thousand Zot, Serenity, Jack, Sophia, Matthew, Dane, Rochelle, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Aaron, Biatch, Ilaria, Liam, Lori, Gregory, Kristen, Kalkon, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, it's definitely Ludo, Bagman, Ravenclaw, Gavin, Ashley, Grant, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never move their wallet and keys to a different location so that they won't forget where they've put their wallet and keys and then forgot that they moved their wallet and keys to that location. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content like bonus episodes, we just put up something from the Phoenix live stream in January, or director's commentary, or notes, or live streams, or merch, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 137 of Potterless, covering the next part of the first act of A Very Potter Senior Year, guest starring Eric Silver. 
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who didn't read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult, and now he's doing other Harry Potter-related activities. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I'm here joined today by a, a repeat guest of the pod, uh, the people's champ, as I'm sure he would like to refer to himself, uh, Multitude Zone, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Bam, 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 bam. I know that that's not the people's champ music, but that was the one that I wanted to say. Yes, Mike, you you know me so well. That is exactly how I want people to refer to me. Thank you. <laughs> the choice of John Cena music still works, though, because it's a podcast, so people literally cannot see you. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, I was going to start out by uh, doing a terrible Irish accent and then pulling off my Mad-Eye Moody mask and <laughs> revealing it was me the whole time. Mm. But just imagine that I'm doing it. Oi, 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 Shoops, it's me, Mata Moody. Uh, oh, that is, that is terrible because it was like a bad Cockney accent, and now you've decided that that's what Ireland is. I'm just <laughs> going off of what that amazing actor who played Barney Crouch was doing, which was so funny. <laughs> um, here's a fun fact. I've never watched this musical before. I have 100% watched a Harry Potter musical, and I definitely watched Second Year, or I, whatever it's called. A Harry Potter sequel. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Harry Potter's uh, too fast to uh, a Harry Potter musical. But I've never seen this one, and I was flummoxed by all of it. I had to watch it all the way from the beginning. I can't believe it was a staged reading. I can't believe I know who Melissa Nelly is now. Because <laughs> in, in like 2013, I would have been like, why is this happening? The whole production is amazing. And the fact that any of it got pulled off at all, regardless of what Darren Chris's mic issues were, and the fact that they had books on stage, it's still incredibly impressive. I think I like this one just for the feet of it, more than the sequel. I think it is my favorite, and now at the time of recording, I've watched all of Act One, and I think it's my favorite so far, just like the brand of comedy level and the brand of production is very solid, and I'm not really bothered by it being a stage reading or the fact that they have their books or, you know, Darren's mic issues. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I think that this is their best one of the three. I just like this one the most so far. I think that it's the most self-aware, which might be why you, Mike Schubert, a man who has <laughs> read the Harry Potter books as an adult and are now going through other Harry Potter media, I think it's definitely the most self-aware. This also deals with the most parody possible parts of Harry Potter, which is the Chamber of Secrets. Because, and I love, and I want to talk about Jake Taylor a lot. The guy who plays Voldemort and the guy who plays Umbridge. You mean Joe Walker? Joe, <laughs> did I say Jake Taylor? You said Jake Taylor. No, Jake Taylor is some other guy. Uh, yes, I wrote down Joe Walker because I like, I now know an actor's name who's not Darren Chris from a very Potter musical. That's how much I liked him. Yeah, Joe Walker. Although I love him as Umbridge, that entire like section of Harry Potter, I just really butt up against because I think Umbridge sucks. Like as it was not fun to read, it made me really uncomfortable and like, it reminds me of authoritarian government, so the whole thing was just like kind of a, a bummer. But uh, I really like they were parroting Chamber of Secrets and Gilderoy Lockhart, which I thought because like fuck Kenneth Branagh and being someone who would make fun of that stuff. Like th this whole content, I think, is my favorite thing to talk about in Harry Potter. Uh, just happy to report that I have Googled Jake Taylor, and he is apparently, at least according to the internet, a famous Instagrammer. He has one hundred seventy-seven thousand followers. His bio says, "quote Used to be a photographer, but now my selfies get more." 
likes. <laughs> and then it links to his photography account, which is Jake X Taylor. And he's not lying. It's all selfies. And they're, they, they are selfies. I will say that. That's of course, you know me. I love Jake Taylor's selfies and I follow him and he was just on the brain. But no, seriously, I, I think that this is, it's, it's self-aware. The fact that they did this at LeakyCon on stage in front of all these people was a wild choice. And doing the actual musical is incredibly difficult. And the fact that they're doing it even in front of like the most wonderful, ex- appreciative, excited fans. I think that this entire undertaking is amazing, and I'm just so proud of them. Yeah, I joked with Melissa about it on the last episode about making a, a very Potter documentary, but I am serious. I would love to talk to all of these people about just how it all came together because it seems like the best whirlwind of a production possible, and the product that they put forward is actually pretty fantastic. As far as the first two, because you thought that you had seen this one, but then you realized you didn't. When did you watch the first two? Was it when they came out? Was it later? Like, what is your a very Potter fandom. Let me think. I'm trying to remember when I joined Tumblr and was active upon it. I believe the correct answer is 2011. <laughs> yes, I was going to say 2011. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely around Tumblr times. You know, in the great times when there was still sex on Tumblr and still people still participated in it. The pre-Yahoo times. Yeah, I, I did go through after mentioning Tumblr on an episode with Melissa. I went back to my Tumblr and I was like, let me make sure I haven't said anything bad on Tumblr because I've gone through and done the make sure I didn't say anything bad on Twitter yep, check yep, yep, and yep. Instagram check, but I forgot I even had Tumblr. I went back, thankfully, nothing terrible, just, you know, mostly some memes and, and silly things and stuff. I did have a couple of like moody-ish posts, which I was like, goodbye posts. Thank you very much. Oh, you mean what Tumblr is for? <laughs> but I went through and I think I started making posts in 2009 or 2010. And when you go into your archive, it's month by month. So it was just like a couple of months. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I really didn't use Tumblr that much. And then I got to summer 2011. It was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, it happened. <laughs> 60 posts a month. Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> also, Tumblr, I feel like is where everyone's terrible of high school even if you weren't in high school like your terrible high school takes are on your tumblr so deleting it is for the best i will also say tumblr is where i met amanda for the first time whoa here's a what you want to hear a really wild story yes so at nyu there was a professor named brian waterman who was like incredibly cool he like started the 33 and a third book series where you just talk about like one album at a time and he was just like this really cool guy and i was kind of just like Bopping along as a dumb sophomore at NYU. I think he shared This Year by the Mountain Goats. And I reblogged it. And I'm like, this song is amazing. How did I not know about it? And then Amanda came in like a fucking wrestler off the top rope and was like, oh, you've never heard of the Mountain Goats? You definitely should. And then she just sent me all this Mountain Goat stuff. So if you think that Amanda and I are any different than we actually were, no. This is just this is a hundred percent the way that it totally happened, and her introducing the mountain goats is very on brand for us. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So you just watched it when it came out. You think is is when you saw the first two at least? I think it's when the second one came out when it really started getting popular and it was getting shared everywhere. And it was like you know in college when you just have nothing to do and you just consume media. I want to <laughs> go back to that time so badly and change all of my priorities. I want to watch so much more anime, but I think that. I would have changed my life for the worse, so I don't want to do that. I would have played so much more basketball because I didn't learn this until 
I think it was my junior year at Rice was I had friends who were upperclassmen that graduated. And then I was like, oh, what's like life outside of college like? And one of my friends was like, just go to the rec center. Our gym is so much better than any 24-hour fitness and you can go for free. Just go. And then I started going all the time. But uh, I really could have played much more basketball in my first two years. I thought you were going to say, my body starts breaking down. <laughs> so I need to start playing a basketball when I'm 20 and do it as much as possible. Just to achieve the highest amount of young body as possible. I did have a lingering foot injury happen because of playing basketball in January of this year. And it is only now just kind of healed. And now I have to wear orthotics everywhere. Oh, uh, no. So, uh, <laughs> which, like, isn't the worst. But when I did go into the doctor and he told me about the thing, I have this, like, bone structure in my foot basically where I pinch a nerve and all you have to do to really solve it is wear orthotics and that's it. And me being naive, I asked the doctor, oh, okay, cool. How long do I have to wear the orthotics for? And he said, forever. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm all. <laughs> do you now have pride saying that you have a bad blank? Because this is something that I got really, like, tried this is the silver lining of this. I've dislocated my shoulder a bunch of times, like, starting from my senior year in high school, and it's happened a bunch of times since then. And now, like, when I'm playing a sport or when I have to do something physical, like, I'm still fine to do it. I'm like, yeah, hey, just so you know, I got a bad shoulder, so just watch out for that. And it makes me feel, like, really nice. It's like, oh, I'm like, I'm now that kind of person. Like, I'm aging into this kind of archetype of someone who's playing, who's doing athletic things, even if they're all of their body parts aren't mint condition. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have pride. I'm embarrassed by it. And I hope <laughs> that when I can actually play basketball again, when the world is normal, that it isn't an issue and my foot doesn't hurt when I start hooping. Well, I, yeah, I guess foot isn't really that fun. It's like, ah, guys, I got bad toes. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's not something that you have to tell someone to look out for, you know? Right. It is fun. You could just say that you have a bad something else, and like that would compensate for it. Like, mm, guys, I got a bad stomach. I can't take this shot. Sorry, a bad thorax. Guys, I'm colorblind, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> guys, um, I can't operate heavy machinery. Just so you know. <laughs> so let's get into the actual Avery Potter senior year itself, because uh, we've gone ten minutes without mentioning it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about Jake Taylor. That's kind of close. <laughs> yeah, it's almost someone that was in the play. This something that I noticed from watching this whole thing. Uh, I think that the best part of this musical and all of these musicals is the casting, which is wild because they're just like a bunch of college students who got together to do this thing. The people who play Luna and Harry and Ron and Ginny and Barney Crouch and Malfoy and, of course, our good friend Jake Taylor slash Joe Walker, who plays Voldemort, they're all really funny and they're really good at their own, like, uh, embodying the parts and, like, really playing up the ridiculousness of each one of them. And I think that, honestly, like, the best part is the actors playing the character. So I just wanted to commend all that. And, like, you know, Darren Chris is very funny when he wants to be. And that is the Harry Potter that I have in my head, is the Darren Chris who thinks he's very funny, who only wants to be popular, and doesn't like it when people don't think he's popular. And, like, I don't know if this is an amalgam of the book Harry Potter and Daniel Radcliffe and also, like fanfic and also Potter Puppet Pals plus Darren Chris. But like in my head, it Harry Potter is Darren Chris. So the fact that they've embodied all of this in the casting is just like really good. And I think that's why so many people were excited to see it in front of them because they get to see the actual people be the people. Like the fact that Ron doesn't have 
a headband in every single Harry Potter piece of media is unconscionable to me. And I just love it so much. I think my only disappointment with a Harry Potter senior year, and it's more of just wanting the potential more so than being sad with the actual product, is that I wish Darren Chris was in a situation where he was able to be more prepared for it. Yeah. Because I think his performance is still very solid, but you can tell that a lot of it, he is just like trying to find his place in the script or look at the lyrics and know them. And he can't necessarily give it his all because he's a bit using his brain to figure out what am I supposed to be doing right now? And he handles it very well. But I, I don't think he gives like an over the top performance, but how could you? And uh, I, I think that's the only thing is I would love to see him just like fully thrive in that role just because in this particular play, you're right, he gets to the core of the me, 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 everything's about me, Harry Potter. And to see Darren Chris go full asshole with that would have been very fun as opposed to just him kind of like going through the motions just to make sure that he hits all of his beats. There are some small bits, though. He hits the jokes, which I think yes. is the most important part. Like when he breaks out the guitar for Ginny, which was so funny, uh, he really struggles on the musical numbers. But that's fine, because that's also my least favorite part of a Harry Potter musicals. Mm -hmm. So it's like the fact that he was still funny and he hit the funny parts. Like, commend the fact that he wasn't prepared and still did it was incredible. It's a re there's a reason why this this man is famous and was like nominated for Emmys. Yes, it definitely makes sense. Uh, and in, even some of the songs in this one still end up doing pretty well. I find that he does better in stuff where it's like not a back and forth or when he's not singing with other people because then he doesn't have to worry about other people singing and stuff. Uh, there's one in this particular chunk of the first act where it's a duet, but not really back and forth. And he does a very solid job and really busts out the pipes. <laughs> oh, Darren Chris. So great at singing. Thanks, Darren Chris. This Sunday, Darren Chris. <laughs> My favorite part, I think, of, like, watching the YouTube videos was seeing all the YouTube comments and people noting that, like, Darren Chris was still, like, people thinking that Darren Chris got replaced by somebody else. What? So there was one oh, comment no. in, like, in, like, part one that was like, yes, that is a different Hermione. No, that's the same Darren Chris. He just has a haircut. And I'm like... God, how many people thought that this was not Darren Chris? Like, I know we were all on Tumblr and had bad opinions, but they, come on, that's the same person. People, man, people. So this first scene that we now see is Ginny Weasley washing the blood off of her hands. And then Luna enters and she says, oh, you're washing the blood off her hands too. And then she lights a cigarette, is excited about the Chamber of Secrets being reopened, and then leaves. And that is... The whole interaction, and I love it. I wondered if I missed something, because, like, was this a reference to something that I didn't know anywhere? You'd mentioned this earlier. You said, like, the casting of Luna was great. You know that is Ivana Lynch, who played Luna in the movies? Oh, shit. No, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> so that's why her be... It's just the fact that she is being this badass renegade, not like actual Luna in the movies, but played by the same person. Uh, that's the joke. Uh, I thought that they just had a really good wig and she looked exactly the same. <laughs> now that's her, which is a breach of her contract, but who, I guess Warner Brothers is okay with it. Listen, if, <laughs> if you're going to breach Harry Potter, just Warner Brother. Oh, wow. There you go. Wow. Look it's at like, you. It's like one of those shirts that you see down at the beach. Yeah. I, I ripped it from one of those shirts you see down at the beach. Or the ones that people wear at Universal Studios that they're like, oh, this is on brand, but it's also funny. And I've cut the sleeves all the way down so you can see all of my tattoos. No, you don't understand. Uh, when I go to Disney World, I need to wear my Disney World shirt that says I hate my wife, but I love Mickey Mouse. Yo, what is up with just as a big picture? 
I never realized this until I go to places with a lot of people at them. But like, what is up with merchandise and just the general attitude of like, haha, I love saying that I hate my wife and kids. What the fuck is all of that? Mike, that's like American popular culture from 1960 to 2017. I don't understand. Like, I know I've only been married for a couple months, but I would never understand the whole like, haha, the little ball and chain, like, I married my wife because she's my best friend. And I was like, hi, do you want to hang out with me all the time every day? And she was like, yeah. And that was it. I don't fathom that. And then all of the the news broadcasters, I saw this because of last week tonight, there was a super clip of just news broadcasters saying, please open schools. And I don't care if my kids fucking die because I don't want them to be in my house anymore. Uh, what is, why is this standard humor because uh heterosexual relationships are an obligation do straight people suck so much we're so bad we're pretty what bad like, we're extremely bad <laughs> it's like because having a nuclear family was an obligation so you're like oh i gotta marry the person who i knew in high school and i gotta mandatorily have three kids in the next five years <sighs> 2.2 kids I just I don't get it. Which which is worse because I want to tie it back to the Disney thing. When we went to Disney for Julia's bachelorette party thing a year ago, that was like peak bananas shirts where you rip off Disney things and also say ridiculous things about your family. So which is worse, a shirt that says I hate my wife or a shirt that says I love my wife also here's Jack Skellington? Hmm. Uh, probably the hate my wife one, because you're saying that you don't like the person you're supposed to love most. That would be my vote. I don't know why you need to tell me that you love your wife so much and then also need a photoshopped Mufasa picture that you got from Zazzle to also tell me that while we're all walking around the Magic Kingdom. I just, I can't fathom why you need to tell me this on a ripped off copyright shirt. True, but let me counter your point with, I don't know why you need to tell me you hate your wife on a ripped off <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you, don't, you should be, listen, we've already established these shouldn't exist. I think, I think it might be more acceptable to say, oh, my wife dragged me here and all I got was this t-shirt than saying like, Zazu says, I love my wife. <laughs> Akio, my wife. <laughs> the other thing is just like, when I'm at Disney World, I don't give a shit about anyone else. I actively dislike everyone else at Disney World because everyone else there is a competition. It's one more person in line. It's one more person that is getting the good seat on the ride. It's one more person getting food before me. I don't think anyone's ever been like, ah, I love looking at people's shirts. Why are you spending money on a custom shirt when you're already spending too much money on a ticket to Disney? Yes, 100%. Mike, I think you should start selling his Potterless merch these I Love My Wife knockoff Harry Potter shirts. How do I do Expelliarmus to my wife? <laughs> but you could also do I Love My Wife ones. Like, my wife is the Lumos in the dark. <laughs> and then it's like and it's like a, an off-brand Hermione oh holding her uh, wand up. <laughs> Harry Potter and the lifelong regret, and it's him uh, married to Ginny. Game over. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should do that. You can make a lot of money. Yeah, I think people will really like it's that. It's like, hey, I'm more reliable than Zazzle. You should definitely buy them from me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Ginny is washing blood off her hands. Luna then leaves and Ginny goes and writes in the diary again. She asks the diary about the chamber and then we go into magic flashback to Electric Boogaloo and we see 
Pomfrey and Dumbledore looking at a dead Moaning Myrtle. And Tom comes in with his snapping gang of Slytherins like they're the Jets in West Side Story. And Dumbledore then, before dragging off Moaning Myrtle, tries to use the Resurrection Stone, and it doesn't work, and he's very frustrated with it, and then he just screams, worst Deathly Hallow ever, when <laughs> the stone doesn't work. Tom then asks him about it, and Dumbledore explains what it is, which just, you know, doesn't seem like the best strategy in general to tell a student, let alone the Dark Lord, about the Resurrection Stone, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yes, this Dumbledore is really good. I think I like this Dumbledore the most out of all media Dumbledores because I think that the Harry Potter Puppet Pals one kind of just makes him senile and naked, but this Dumbledore is actively destructive. Even if he's like incredibly gay and talks about it all the time, he's like not a nice person and does things that is detrimental, which is something they really hit on at the end of this scene. Yes, I would like to give love to Jude Law's Dumbledore just because he's pretty to look at, but yes, I think this depiction is very solid. So Dumbledore is worried about Tom. He's heard some rumors regarding the chamber and what his group of friends is up to, etc. And also the fact that he might have had a hand in Myrtle's death. He asks Tom what him and his group of friends are called. And Tom calls them, quote, the He-Man woman haters. But we're thinking about changing the name. So good. <laughs> that's a pretty good, like, incel joke for 2013. Like, you didn't have it yet, but, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think it is uh, ahead of his time for sure. And something that I realized not until this scene was that the whole aesthetic of Tom Riddle, whether this was intentional or not, had big My Chemical Romance vibes mm. with the gray suit and the tie and the gelled-ish spiky but down at the same time bleach blonde hair it felt very what's the name of that punk rock genre like is it would it be like emo punk pop punk that kind of yeah vibe. definitely that pop punk stuff it also works really well with the face paint because mm -hmm. i know that like he's supposed to not have a nose the entire time which is a very funny thread <laughs> that they pull through the entire musical but like that is uh, that's 100 percent something you would see on the black parade so Dumbledore wants to talk to Tom. He basically wants to be his human journal, and he's trying to <laughs> just reason with Tom and figure out what's going on. So Tom says that he hates all the normal things, quote, muggles, mudbloods, and the Ghostbusters, which this is a, you know, very pre, uh, oh gosh, I hate that Ghostbusters is making a all-woman Ghostbusters nerd fandom take. So that's pretty fun. More, listen, more before it's time insult takes. I love it. Mm -hmm. He also goes on to say that he hates Snickers, the candy bar, not like people snickering. He hates the actual candy bar. And I just now realize that Starkid has the hottest takes of candy and that they are promoting Red Vines, which are not very good. And now they're hating Snickers, which is, I think, the best of the chocolate bars. And if you haven't had a frozen Snickers, go do that right now because Snickers in the freezer, absolutely phenomenal. But I have learned that at least, even though they made the joke of the Red Vines, most of the cast hates Red Vines. So I do have some faith for their taste buds, but I don't know what the reasoning behind hating Snickers is. I think it's a very good candy bar. I guess they that was the whole thing is like Tom doesn't like the idea that people are laughing behind his back, but he just hates the candy bar Snickers and they set it up later. I was just like, is this a reference to the book? I don't understand because we talk about J.K. Rowling's inability to understand words other than 
the most bananas versions of them, like ejaculates and Snickers. So I just thought it was that, but I just didn't know if I missed anything. Yeah, in the book, she does say Sniggered a lot, which I said, you probably should just change this one just in case. It's always fun when I I call out the weird word choices. I get the weirdest word stands. People are like, grope is super normal. Like, who are these people that are like, I love using the word grope all of the time. And I am so upset that this podcast boy says that he thinks the word is strange. Mm. Yeah, people should stop using these. It's just, it's not worth it. That's the biggest thing. I understand you have thesaurus.com up, but you don't have to use all of them because they all have bananas connotations. That's the thing about words. They mean other things in context, guys. It's great that you know ejaculate can mean yell, but maybe don't put it in your children's novel. (laughs) Just a thought. Hey, I wonder if ejaculate means anything else. No, I guess, I guess not. Oh, Pass Mike, why are you going down this rabbit hole again? You've talked about it enough and people are still going to weirdly get mad at you. Let's just stop this in its tracks and take a break for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Let's say hypothetically that you are a Hogwarts student and you're looking to throw some sort of party, but you can't go all the way to Hogsmeade. You want to still have it in the dorms, but you don't want to leave. You want to host this party at home. What's a way that you could do this? You could use Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a delivery service that sends you all of the ingredients and instructions to make various fancy cocktails. All you need to do is provide the booze, they provide everything else, and they provide you with enough to make four servings of three different drinks that all use the same liquor. I've done a bunch of boxes with Shaker and Spoon. They've all been fantastic. I've done it with whiskey. I've done it with tequila. I've done it with rum. Really good stuff, affordable stuff, and especially affordable if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizardon because you'll get $20 off your first box. These boxes usually go between 40 and 50 dollars so that's about half price that's a lot of savings so go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizard on and you can make some fancy drinks for your friends and everyone will think you are a very impressive human being today and now you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster some of these ads will be read by me others of them won't the ones that are not read by me are inserted locally so if you live internationally don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language And once these ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 
Slash bucks TNO. right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards off a $40 swag for a more transparent way, that's arena club. Sports nerd slash Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So Dumbledore doesn't understand Tom's hatred of Snickers. That makes Tom a little upset. And then Dumbledore is leaning into thinking that Tom is a closeted gay. And he's like, oh, you have feelings about your friends. I understand. And that makes Tom even more upset, which makes him kind of full on hate Dumbledore. And then it gets to the whole orphan family thing. And he says, well, at least you had a family. And then just immediately breaks down and starts to cry, which is saved by Dumbledore telling Tom that he has found his dad. The part of this that I thought was really funny was they really lean on the fact that Tom Riddle assumes that his family are wizards because he hates muggles so much. And Dumbledore's like, ah, don't worry about it. They're their parents. It's fine. He's like, he does the thing where he totally skirts by the fact that they're not wizards, which is 100% a thing Dumbledore would do. 5,000% is leave out the piece of information that is the most crucial because he wants you to feel good in the moment, even if it has terrible consequences later. That is such a Dumbledore fucking move. Yeah, it really is, for sure. And you're right that they first talk about all the different types of wizards, one of which I thought was very fun is Tom asks if they are fiend firefighters, which I love a good pun, play on words in the Harry (laughs) Potter world. But he eventually goes on to say, I'll accept them for whatever kind of wizards they are, so long as they are wizards. (laughs) (laughs) As long as they're wizards, I'm sure it'll be fine. So then there's a song about going home sung by someone off stage, I think, which was confusing. It was though the woman who was in the Death Eaters. She was the one who was singing. She was she's the one with a with a really really good voice. Yeah, Bellatrix ends up coming on later, but at first I thought it was someone else. Oh, I assumed it was like them and they were just like outside of the camera frame. Okay, that's what I couldn't tell if there were people on stage cuz Eventually, when they cut to Bellatrix just straight up doing riffs and vocalizing it, it's incredible. So, good. so much so that her microphone just can't handle it. Her microphone's like, oh, no, it's, it's so good. I'm maxing out on all the levels. It's over 5,000. <laughs> also, my other my other question in the book, people love riffing in this. And I know it's because they're on stage and everyone's cheering for them. But like in the in the like tablature in the notes section for what these songs are supposed to be is there just like a section at the end that's just like go off riff do it (laughs) go for it chief but yes i didn't know if there was someone on stage that we couldn't see because the camera just shows tom riddle the whole time so i was very confused of is someone just backstage (laughs) like just singing while he pantomimes packing his bags but yes then eventually bellatrix comes on and her singing very good her voice very solid i understand now why she is on broadway and stuff good for you yeah yeah, yeah. so then we cut to ron and nearly headless nick at nearly headless nick's death day party and nearly headless nick is played by the same guy who did snape in the first two and it just made me realize how much i miss snape because i think he's my favorite character in all of 
the very Potter stuff. So the fact that he died in the last one and isn't in this play just made me very sad that I had to be reminded of that. Yeah, something I needed to get my head around was that this one was Chamber of Secrets, but everything that had happened through books three through like everything else had already happened, which was wild. Yeah, the timeline is confusing to say the least. Listen, this all just kind of sets up Gilderoy Lockhart, so like I'm fine with it. Oh, for sure. Gilderoy is fantastic and I especially love the portrayal in this musical of Gilderoy. Yes, that was something that I didn't say was that also the casting, whoever is playing Gilderoy Lockhart is also very good. He's so stellar. So at the death day party, you have nearly headless Nick talking about wanting to get with the gray lady and Ron trying to cheer him up and encourage him to do so. Then Cho and Harry enter and Cho is just playing the classic. Am I ugly? Does this dress make me look pretty stuff the whole time? Just fishing for compliments. And Harry's already upset going into this and the constant compliment fishing just makes him more and more upset. He just keeps saying you're fine. It's fine (laughs) over and over and over again, which I can support because I did not, enjoy this era of high school life for me. And I never was a fan of when people on Facebook or MySpace or whatever would, you know, do the, I'm so ugly, I'll probably delete this stuff. Yeah. It was a bad phase of the early 2010s where your caption on your photo had to be, say something self-deprecating about myself so that the comments are all people being like, no, you look so good. Yes. This scene Hey, sometimes exposition, isn't that, isn't that funny and good, guys? (laughs) This scene really dragged on for me. Yeah, I agree. It was like, okay, we get it. People aren't happy. I do think the ending of the scene is very funny, though. Once it gets into the situation where just everything is going wrong for everyone, especially Harry, I just wish they would have arrived there a bit quicker. Yes, agreed. Um, The only good nugget here was that this is the section that I did my first Potterless episodes about, which would have been Harry and Cho on a date and her talking about Cedric Diggory. So I know it's not exactly the same because of the Valentine's Day and they didn't do exactly the same. But if you were to try to like put one on top of each other, this was very much like, oh, I'm on a date and I want to talk about Cedric Diggory. So that was I thought that was pretty funny. That's good. It's it's a creative use of still finding a way to get the Cedric stuff in there. But instead of being, oh, Cedric's dead and I'm sad. It's when I dated Cedric, he said nice things to me. And now you're not saying nice things to me. (laughs) Harry, if you'd only say nice things to me, everything would work out. (laughs) So Harry's very upset with Cho. Ron comes in and Harry ends up talking to Ron saying that Cho is very annoying. And then he (laughs) says that he misses Ginny because at least when I dated Ginny, we would talk about me all the time. It's a good joke. (laughs) Which is very self-centered Harry of him. Ginny then comes in and she is on a date with both Seamus and Dean, which I think is pretty funny since Seamus and Dean are pretty much a a joint item in the books. And this makes Harry even more upset. So he's just very frustrated at everything. But then eventually the diary possesses Ginny and she ends up leaving for the bathroom. And Lavender starts chatting up with Ron, but she does so super quietly, just like this little like, hi, Ron, I was just wondering if you wanted to like go anything, go back to my house. And it's so quiet that Ron has to scoot all the way over. And when he does, she kisses him on the cheek and then is very excited. Now, I noticed this because I've been watching these with the closed caption, but did you hear some of the things that she said very quietly under her breath? Because the audience definitely didn't. Yes, I definitely, I, I heard some of it. It was very funny. They, they would do the same trick in Pitch Perfect. Yeah, except the stuff that she says in Pitch Perfect isn't overtly sexual. 
it's just creepy kind of stuff. She says, I ate my child in the womb. Mm-hmm. She ate her twin in the womb. Yeah. Uh, what Lavender says here is she, very quietly. She's like, I think we could just go grab a drink and then go back to my place and then maybe have sex and have kids that kind of look like you too. <laughs> It's a good, that's a good one. It was definitely quiet enough where the audience didn't laugh because they did not get louder when she said, uh, and maybe have sex, which I feel like would have been the giveaway line to laugh. So they clearly didn't make it out, but shout out to closed captioning. Huzzah. But then once, once she kisses him on the cheek, Ron just completely goes blank in the face and says, oh no, I cheated on my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I really wish that the actor who played Ron is did more. He's so funny. He's such a good guy. I'm sure he's gone on to do other star kid stuff. At least I do know he had a cameo role in an episode of Glee. And I'm sure that people who are fans of star kid will tweet at us now with all of the things he's done since. Oh, good. But, uh, I've never seen him in anything major aside from this. They should tell me all about Jake Taylor. I don't know why hit me with all of your Jake Taylor takes and all his IMDb page, please. He has a lot of tattoos. I know that about Jake Taylor because a lot of his selfies, he's not wearing a shirt. Another, this is the other thing, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to it. Joe Walker, also so ripped. Yep. <laughs> I wonder whose decision it was in the first one to say, wouldn't it be cool if Voldemort didn't wear a shirt? I wonder who came up with that. Uh, this is what I like about the entire outfit of this, is that just like, since it's just like a college club, it's like, wouldn't it be funny if we did stuff that were funny because of who we are. It's like, hey, Joe, you're ripped. Do you just want not want to have a shirt the whole time? And he's probably like, yeah. <laughs> you also have to wear you also have to wear face makeup. That's fine. Do I have to wear a shirt? No. Nice. Great. I'm in. I did it. <laughs> so eventually at the party, nearly headless Nick then sees the gray lady making out with the headless horseman, which was his big fear when he was talking to Ron earlier. Nearly headless Nick is very upset and he goes, horseman, what do you have to say for yourself? And then the horseman doesn't say anything. And then nearly headless Nick goes, nothing just as I thought, (laughs) which uh, this guy's this, he's so good. And I'm very upset that he isn't at least so far in the first act doesn't have any other role. I'm very hopeful for him playing some other character in act two, because he's just so fantastic. Harry then ends up having beef with Dean and Seamus because of dating Ginny. And then Cho gets upset with him because of how poorly the date went and it gets to a point where Cho slaps Harry in the face. Then he kind of stumbles away and we see Ron and Lavender's relationship has progressed so fast to where they're already like a couple that's been together for years and they're on the verge of breaking up, which I think that was my favorite bit of this scene is just the escalation of kiss on the cheek. Now it means we're dating, which is what Lavender says to him right afterwards. And then the next time we see them, they are couple that's been together for two years of an unhappier relationship and they're on the fringes. Like I like how quickly that developed. I think that was very fun. So they're having a very serious, you always do this uh, kind of argument. I appreciate that Ron needs to get all of this out because Hermione is too busy reading books. He's <laughs> like, I just need to get all my relationship out with somebody else. And then I can just go back to the, to waiting on Hermione. And I appreciated it as someone that didn't like the Lavender Ron side plot in the books. Mm-hmm. I like that the play just condensed it to a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very in my wheelhouse. 
But then Lavender goes to slap Ron in the face and he ducks out of the way and Harry ends up taking the slap. And then Nearly Headless Nick and the Headless Horseman are going to fight and Nick goes to punch the horseman, but he ends up hitting Harry in the face. So he's been slapped twice, punched in the face, and then Malfoy comes in and goes, this looks like a fine spot for my roller skate. And then puts it down. <laughs> it is a Lightning McQueen roller skate, which Melissa Anelli got signed by Lauren Lopez and is now auctioning off on her Instagram. So go check that out. Then Harry runs into Neville's banana cream cake. And then Malfoy comes in and says, and this looks like a great place for my marbles. And Harry slips on the marbles and then falls into McGonagall's swan-shaped ice sculpture. And then that is the end of the antics. And everyone is incredibly pissed with Harry for ruining the party. And the cherry on top is Gilderoy running on stage saying, great job, Potter. You ruined the death day party. And then immediately leaving stage, which is so funny. <laughs> I do like how Gilderoy is just really laying on thick that Harry Potter is not only bad, he's not cool. That, <laughs> that, that plot point is so funny. I wonder if it's going to get explained further in the second act, if it's more than just Gilderoy wants to steal Harry's stories to make them his own. But I do wonder why Gilderoy has such a beef against Harry because this whole play is just him wanting to dunk on him and there's not necessarily an explanation for it yet. So I don't know if that will be explained or if it's just going to be like, yeah, this iteration of Gilderoy hates Harry Potter for some reason. Because of all the setup that they've done with like the Twilight series and stuff earlier in the play, I feel like Gilderoy is going to try to publish Harry Potter, but it's going to be Gilderoy Lockhart. Mm. That's my my guess on this. And I haven't watched the future, but that, that is 100% my guess, which again is the whole like meta textual self-awareness thing that like this is a young adult because and the Hunger Games thing that happens later is like they're very aware of the young adult uh, genre. So I, that's what I think Gilder is going to do. I think that's also why I appreciate this play as opposed to the other two is that it, it goes beyond just being haha we're making fun of Harry Potter because it's making fun of Harry Potter. It's making fun of YA literature at the time when it was really at its peak and Twilight was out and Hunger Games was out and things were really ramping up there. And then also it's self-aware and self-referential to the fact that Harry Potter is now quote unquote over. And yes, they're talking about the character in the play, but you can easily look and see big picture that they're talking about just the series and the fandom and stuff like that. So I think the fact that the play does more than just poke fun at some Hogwarts goofs and makes you think about the actual impact of Harry Potter and how people who've been fans of it for so long are dealing with the current state of YA literature. I think it's like really interesting to, to go beyond just haha fart jokes. Yeah. I mean, that's why, and we were talking about this before because of Jake Taylor slash Joe Walker, you need to watch me and my dick. Okay. Because now it's all about like puberty and genitals and like being in high school and stuff and all that weirdness so they take that structure instead of harry potter being the structure it's like a puberty high school sort of thing and then also it's the fart jokes because joe oh my god i'm confusing myself because i've said jake taylor so many times joe walker's playing a penis like he's just playing a penis Got he it. is in a penis costume and he's ripped and he's giant and it's very funny and like the fact that everybody has their own like genitals on stage as well, it's like that is a structure, but then they fill in all of that stuff around it. So that's that's always what I'm so impressed by. And like I haven't watched 
Firestarter. I watched like a little bit of it, but they're doing like a similar sort of thing where they're making fun of like prehistoric times and the creation of civilizations and all that stuff. But like they do a really good job as of writing jokes within a boundary. And that was always always the thing that I was impressed by Star Kid is that like a bunch of college students just like wanted to do this and did it and it was funny and well structured and smart. I was always so impressed by it. And I feel like as someone who found this in college, I was just like, I can't believe people who are my age are doing something that is so respected that everybody loves about it. Especially because it was like big YouTube stuff and putting an entire musical on YouTube was a, a giant deal. But yeah, you really need to watch Me and My Dick. Okay. For that whole reason. It feels like the predecessor to Big Mouth where it's all about puberty and stuff like that. Now, granted, I also haven't watched much of Big Mouth, but I could see it being in that same vein. It definitely is. And I think there is something about when we're talking about YA, there is something about people who are younger writing about high school than instead of adults writing about high school. I feel this way a lot about some YA authors where it feels like, hello, fellow kids. Do you want to talk about your first date, your first crush? I remember that. <laughs> Me too. So the fact that there were college students writing about this felt very prescient because like some of these kids were all, they're 18, 19, 20 year olds. They're just over the hill of being in high school and feeling weird about your body. So they do a lot of really interesting stuff. I will say, even though it is called me and my dick, they do a very good job of writing the vagina women parts. So it is in the big mouth style. We're hitting both sides of the gender spectrum. And I thought that was really those both sides of like the sex puberty spectrum. So I thought that was uh, really good. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if it was just my college that did this or if this was a lot of colleges, but I wonder if they also did a performance of the vagina monologues ah. at the same time so that they could do counter programming of the vagina monologues and me and my dick, you know, back to back weekend double feature special yeah <laughs> yeah that's definitely they definitely would have done that and yes mike every single college did a performance of the vagina monologues don't worry that's what i figured i remember it being a thing and they would do it every year i think during women's month i th i know you were gonna say women's <laughs> women's history month but for a second i thought you were gonna say vagina month <laughs> i mean i'd be down with the vagina month uh <laughs> the only thing i remember distinctly is that there was someone in my school who's in one of the plays i did i remember her performance of it i don't remember anything except for the opening line and just this isn't funny because of what it's about her delivery was just very funny and will stick with me forever is she just gets on stage and starts the monologue and she just goes my vagina is a shell. <laughs> and, and then I believe the rest of the play is about how it's like a pearl inside kind of thing. But just the opening line of her just yelling so loudly, my vagina is a shell, has stuck with me forever. <laughs> All right. So everybody uh, record yourself saying my vagina is a shell. <laughs> and send it and to Eric Silver at, at Yahoo.biz. <laughs> Yeah, send it to my Tumblr, which is now a Yahoo email. <laughs> my vagina is a shell. I do love that. You're really reaching for it. You gotta set the you gotta set the tone first that your vagina is saying this monologue, and you need to just make sure everyone knows it. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't think of a better place to end this episode of Potterless, uh, talking about Act One of a very Potter senior year. So, Eric, thank you for joining. If people want to find you doing stuff. 
podcast-wise on the internet, etc., where can they do so? Oh, wow. That's so nice of you to say, Mike Schubert. Uh, you can find me, Dungeon Mastering, Join the Party. That is one of the shows we have here on Multitude. It is a Dungeon & Dragon show that I think is really neat, and I think that we have a really good time doing it. We're currently in our second season where we're doing like a modern superhero story. I think that we're really hitting our stride. Episode 9 just came out, and uh, I think it's really good. You can also find me on Twitter at EL underscore Silvero, EL underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. That is my name with an underscore in the middle. If I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining on. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they go take pictures with Jake Taylor. My vagina is a shell. (laughs) In the intro, I talked about the Potterless merch store having a sale. But did you know that this extends to all of Multitude? If you go to multitude.production slash merch, you can see merch for all of the Multitude shows, including Potterless, Join the Party, Spirits, Horse, which has new digital items, a lot of wonderful things, some of which are on sale at multitude.productions slash merch. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonera, Audra, Eleanor, Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulido, Orca Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moser, Alex Consilver, John Cotker, Noel Basile, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Friday, J. Svensson, Summer Rathel, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addy, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya Floor, Sake, Series Girls for Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov, Chova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Zapeda, Courtney Marie Grieger, Ashen Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Jarls Fiven, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Dowd, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's mom, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Ninfedora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie Dugrave, David Douglas, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rekay Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobbs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Laurel Happy, Ross Ann Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Chanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Kremick Roberts, Andren Kaufman, K.A. Rob, Steve Trelore, Lior Nahum, Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Wellis, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, she who doesn't have to be named, L. Kringle, Love Cash Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jerrica Law, Michelle Spurgeon, Casey Canales, Megan Stempin, Let's Hit a Thousand Patrons, Serenity, Alan Jax, G, Sophia Lyons, Sot, Matthew Babbitt, Dane Nemcher, Rochelle Unitmaz, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parr, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Aaron Uggs, Not My Daughter, You Biatch, Ilaria Vicentin, Liam Simmons, Lori, Gregory Hughes, Christy Lee, Call Call Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Shulman Atrix, It's Definitely Ludo Bagman, Ashley Somers, Grant Sohn, Your Friendly Neighborhood, Ravenclaw, Gavin Miller, Ashley Somers, Grant Sohn, Aliyah Elter Shobi, Jack Parr, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campomanes. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com for bonus content. You can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly, you think of someone that might like the show, you shoot them a text message, hey, I think you'd like this podcast. Or if you leave a rating interview online, those both really do help. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!